We, we talk about this every year, but if you're new, if you have not had an opportunity to go to one of these events, I want to encourage you to do everything you can to be there. Seniors, this is your last chance, last year to do it, so I absolutely recommend that you make sure you're there. But for everybody in this room, this is one of those moments where, again, over and over again throughout the years, when we talked to teenagers that were in Excel and we asked them, what was one of the most impactful moments of your time in that ministry? They almost always point to that weekend. And so we want to encourage you. Uh, we have uh, Izzy Marty and his wife Ariel leading worship. So if you know them, they're awesome. And then good friend of mine, Aaron Holt, who's going to be there speaking. Plus, literally, uh, today uh, we were talking about games and activities and some of the crazy stuff that we're planning to do. And so there's a lot geared up. One of the things that we really want to focus on this year, aside from all the Jesus stuff, because that's number one, is we want to get, um, we want to make points matter and we want to make sure that the competition is, is fierce. And so here's what's going on. Uh, we are going to start taking points as of tomorrow at small group kickoff. And so if you are unaware, tomorrow our small group time launches again for this semester. We want you to be there. The competitions and the games and stuff we're going to be doing tomorrow are already going to count towards the point total that your groups will have at camp. And now you might be sitting there going, well, what does that matter, right? Well, well who cares about points? Well, points get cashed in for other things. And so uh, we have a lot of things that are going to be worth getting these points for. And listen, I'll be honest with you. Anybody in here just super competitive for no reason? Yeah. Like, it's, like it's downright unhealthy. Like your parents are like, you need to really pray about how competitive you are. If you can tell me like, hey, listen, the winner gets a pair of old socks. I'm like, oh, man, can't wait to get those old socks on my feet. Like you just, there's something about competitive people. So those of you who are competitive, I need you. This is permission for you uh, to jump into that. And so, again, spring breakaway registration opens today. Early bird ends in April, I believe. I'm, I'm not remembering the day offhand. But, again, start telling your parents now, you know, them uh, tax return checks are coming in. But like, listen, Mommy, I know you wanted to get a new car, but don't you care about your baby's soul? Like, help me get to retreat, right? So we want to make sure we do that. And then tomorrow we want to invite you all to come back. Uh, we're going to have a great time. We have some competition stuff lined up. We're going to be doing here. We're going to feed y'all because food free is the best. And so we want to make sure that you have that. And, again, listen. We want to make sure that the people in this room aren't all strangers to each other. So we're going to have a good opportunity to get to know each other, to laugh. I don't know about you, but when I've spent a night laughing with somebody, I'm just automatically closer with them. And so I really believe we're going to have a lot of fun tomorrow, and I want to make sure that you are there for that. Bring a friend. This is a great time. It's not like we're going to be in their face. We're just going to have fun, have a good time, and eat some pizza. Sounds good? So... Uh, I want to talk about something tonight, and, and just to give you a heads up, over the next few weeks, we, we, might, we might be talking about some relationshipy type stuff, because I know uh, some of y'all are, um, what's the word, um, thirsty, right? And so as I was thinking about thirsty, I was thinking about literal thirst, like actually being thirsty. Y'all ever, especially in the winter, you ever wake up like at 2 in the morning, like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, literally, your throat hurts. Like, it feels like you're about to crack your whole esophagus. You're like, Ugh. and you're so thirsty. You, just, you, don't even, you don't even get a cup, right? You just turn the faucet on in the bathroom. Some of y'all drinking out the toilet. Y'all nasty. You shouldn't go that bad. But that's how, like, you know, your muckles are all dry. Like, your whole face just, ugh, right? There's a certain level of thirst. 
And, and listen, it's natural. Water is a basic element of life. Your body is made up of almost 70% water. So all of you thinking I'm a little chubby, this is just awa, baby. Just a couple peas, and I'm your size, right? It's not that. It's not fat. It's water, okay? Chicago here is a city. The only reason it's here is because of our proximity to Lake Michigan, Right? The Roman Empire was able to expand throughout Europe because of its ability to supply water through aqueducts. Every living being on this planet is sustained by water. And literally, that's why we send robots into space to explore planets with one of the main objectives being to see if they can find water. And so I want to talk to you about uh, that experience that comes when you yearn for water, which is what we call thirst. Every one of you, like I said, knows what it's like to be thirsty. I, I watched my daughter uh, drink her milk, and, and she's a little savage. Like when she gets to that milk part, she starts to drink like she's never had it in her life. Like, ah, ah, like she literally does that face like, ah, ah, and then she bites down. And then you can hear like down the hall her drinking the gulps of milk. And, and then they actually, if you look at babies, you think about it, like their whole mouth is just gulping. Their nostrils get real big because they, they got to breathe. <laughs> so she's like, oh, oh, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, she's a little savage, right? And we've all been there. We, we, we've all, we've had those moments, you know what I'm talking about, where you're so thirsty and you're drinking and you just, you, you don't even stop to take it out of your mouth. You're just gulping it down. <laughs> big nostril breast. You know what I'm talking about, like. To where the bottle starts crumpling up because you're literally sucking air out of it. Like that level of thirst is what I'm talking about. And listen, I'll tell you the truth. Not all water is equal though, right? For number one, Chicago water slaps different. Y'all ever been in another state and drank their water and you're like, oh my God, what did you just dip this in a rock? It tastes disgusting. You know what I'm talking about? Like some of it tastes like, like they just mixed metal in it and they're like, here you go, sir. And I'm like, don't give me that little metal water, right? Breakaway water, you get that little sulfur. Breakaway water is different because you can take 15 showers and still feel like the soap's on you because it got that sulfur water. No lie, I'm digressing because I'm having fun. But one year, um, I'm just going to let you know, don't, don't not go to breakaway because of the water, but they do have well water, and well water has a certain smell to it. It's clean, you can do it, it's not a big deal, but in your mind, you're like, yeah, and nasty. So one year, one year it started to rain, right? And so we told all the kids, go back to your rooms, and I see this whole group of girls come out of their cabin, and they go, you know how you got the, the, the little ducks, the, what is it called, I'm sorry, um, on the side of the house to catch the rain? Huh, the drain, yeah. I saw, I saw a group of girls stand under the drain. You know, the water was pouring out with shampoo in their head, taking showers under the gutter. And I'm like, that's actually dirty. That is really filthy. And they're like, it don't smell bad. I was like, okay, right? And again, you'll do what you got to do, right? Because different water. I don't know about y'all. Even for me, I got standards when it comes to bottled water, right? Y'all know what I'm talking about. Like, there's a reason that Costco water is a lot cheaper than the other bottles of water, right? I don't know about you. I can't drink Dasani. Dasani tastes like disgusting. Like, this is just like, ugh. For me, Ice Mountain is my favorite. Ice Mountain got that little crisp flavor to it. And people are like, water don't have a flavor. Absolutely water got flavor. Ice Mountain got that good flavor to it. Dasani is black. Cheap little Aldi ones are black. 
Right? I, need, I need good fresh water. Now, if I'm feeling fancy, I might, I might splurge and get me some Fiji, right? I might, I might get the fancy bottle if I want to feel like a baller on that day and I want to live it up a little bit. But even, listen, I ain't even trying to be bougie. I'll be, there's certain waters. You know what was my favorite water growing up? Um, do you remember, I don't know if they have them as much anymore. But you know what I'm talking about in the, in the park, right? You got that old stone water fountain with the little round metal spout that they never turn off. So that water's been flowing for 17 years. And you're like, that is the coldest, most tastiest water you've ever had. And I also think there's a direct correlation between how satisfying the water is and how thirsty you are, right? The, the thirstier you are, the more amazing the water becomes, right? The thirstier you are, because see, if you're not thirsty, water tastes good up here. But when you're really thirsty, water tastes good right in your chest. You know what I'm talking about? When you feel the cold come down your chest and you're like, yes. Like, you feel like you just got energized, like all the bars on your player just went up. Listen, there's a desire that we have. There's a yearning that we have to drink. Now, God often uses basic physical needs that we understand to describe spiritual needs that we don't understand. And so one of the ways that he did that is he described it with thirst. I'm going to drink some because y'all made me thirsty thinking about all this. Y'all low-key got a little thirsty though, right? Yeah, see, she started drinking her water. Ah! Listen, let's talk about that thirst, right? The world is filled with desperately thirsty people. And I'm not talking about all your friends who are getting ready for Valentine's Day next week. You know, there's, there's some thirsty people in school. It's that dude who's walking in with those deflated balloons because he didn't understand physics yet. And he's wondering, he's wondering if Joel bought him some bogus balloons. He's like, no, buddy, it's just physics, like air. You'll get it later, right? And, and then, like, he gives, he gives this girl the, the Valentine's Day gift, and it's, like, one of 17 balloons she got that day. And she's like, oh, thanks. But she don't really like that you gave her anything because she don't like you. Dang, you bogus. You laugh in front of them. <laughs> right? So you got that kind of thirsty. But, but, but I'm, I'm talking about this different kind of thirst, right? The world is filled with desperately thirsty people, a, a yearning, a, a desire to quench the soul. There, there's a thirst that you have on the inside. There's a thirst that you had that you want to be satisfied, that, that you want to uh, fulfill, that part inside you that's desperate to be satisfied. And we try to satisfy with a lot of different things. People attempt to quench that thirst with uh, knowledge. The more I understand, the more I know. They believe that the pursuit of knowledge will fulfill them. Some people try to quench that thirst with their careers. I'll find fulfillment in my purpose, and if I discover my purpose, then it'll quench my thirst. And so my purpose is in my athletic career, or my purpose is in becoming a doctor, or my purpose is in uh, being the first one to graduate college. And listen, those are all great things. But the problem with all those things is that they work, but only for a moment. They taste good, but they don't always satisfy. Those with knowledge soon find out that they don't know everything. Those thirsty for careers discover that money can't buy everything they need, right? You can have the greatest career and you can have all the money and the sudden illness takes over your family and suddenly all the money ain't going to buy the cure, right? There's these things that they, they satisfy, they taste good in the moment, but they don't satisfy in the long term. 
When your body thirsts, it's looking for the very thing that it's made of. It's looking for water. We could drink all other types of liquids, but when your body is thirsting, it's literally looking to replenish the water that it's lost. That's why you get so thirsty in the summertime because you're sweating. You're literally losing water and you need to replenish that water. That's why when you have a headache, they tell you to drink water because literally you're losing water in your brain and it's starting to hurt and you need to replenish that water. It's a, a thirst that your body is looking for. And so when your spirit is thirsty, it can only be quenched by the very thing that it's made from, which is God's spirit. When your spirit is thirsty, that inner part that makes you who you are, that part that goes beyond even your emotions and your thought process, that, that part that's the innermost being of you, when that area of your life thirsts, it can only be replenished by the very thing that it's made of, which is the spirit of God. And so if you have your Bibles, why don't you open up to John chapter 7, and I'll show you where God talks about that. In this chapter, we find Jesus at the Feast of Tabernacles, as it's described. This is kind of like the Jewish taste of Chicago, okay? It's this big meal that's going on. And thousands of Jews would gather at the temple for over a week celebrating the harvest and uh, remembering how God's faithfulness during uh, the time in the desert when they were freed from Egypt was being provided for. And listen to what we pick up in verse 37 through 39. On the last day, the climax of the festival, Jesus stood and shouted to the crowds, anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scriptures declare, rivers of living water will flow from his heart. When he said living water, he was speaking of the spirit who would be given to everyone believing in him. But the spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet entered into his glory. There are a few things that I want us to look at in this verse that I believe we need to learn from. Three things that I think are vital to quenching your thirst. And if you're taking notes, the first thing is this. It's the understanding that religion cannot quench your thirst. Religion in and of itself cannot quench your thirst. When Jesus made this statement about living water, it was in the middle of a very important religious tradition. So they were doing religion, but they weren't satisfied by it, right? The problem is when we try to quench our thirst with religion, we end up caring more about the traditions, or we end up caring more about the traditions than God himself. We become legalistic in our mindset. We become ritualistic, but we don't become satisfied. Every one of this festival, or every day of this festival, the priest would go down to the pool water, they would scoop up some water in a basin and they would carry it to the temple steps. And there he would pour the water onto the pavement to celebrate what God did when Israel's thirst for water in the desert. The Bible tells us that uh, in, 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 the, in the time when they were wandering that God provided water from a rock. Listen, Exodus 17, verse 5 through 6. The Lord said to Moses, walk out in front of the people. Take your staff, the one you used when you struck the water of the Nile, and call some of the elders of Israel to join you. I will stand before you on the rock of Mount Sinai. Strike the rock, and the water will come gushing out. Then the people will be able to drink. <laughs> so Moses struck the rock as he was told, and the water gushed out as the elders looked on. My mother has some property in Mexico. 
she had always, when she came to the United States, she sent money back to my grandfather to help out. And what she didn't know was that my grandfather saved the majority of that money and then eventually bought her a piece of land. And so my mother has this land in Mexico, but land in Mexico isn't exactly like land up here because where she's at, it's, it's a little drier. And then suddenly they noticed there was this big boulder on her land that was leaking. And they thought maybe there's water behind this boulder. And so they brought a company in and, and they began to excavate and they cracked the boulder. And literally a river began to shoot out. And she's got a stream rolling through her land. You have no idea how much more valuable her land became because it had water flowing through it. Listen, we can have religion. But if water's not flowing through it, it loses its value. So was it bad for the Jews to remember the time when God did the miracle? No, of course not. It's important to remember the things that God has done. The problem was they were so busy celebrating their religious traditions that they couldn't see the actual rock of God standing with them. Right? They were, they were too busy remembering the symbolic aspect that they didn't notice the real thing. And sometimes in religion, we can get so caught up in the religiosity of things that we miss out on who God actually is. And too often, people walk away from their relationship with God because they've been hurt by the institution that they were worshiping instead. Listen, I love this ministry. With all my heart, I've been a part of this ministry for almost 20 years. I absolutely love what Excel represents. I love what this church represents. But if you're worshiping Excel in this church, then you're going to end up thirsty again. This is not the essence of who he is, right? This, this is the bottle that contains the liquid, but it's not the liquid. I can still drink without this bottle. And so we have to remember that religion in and of itself is, well, I'm Catholic and I'm Jewish and I'm Muslim and I'm Pentecostal. It doesn't matter. Do you have a relationship with the living water? 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 1 through 4 says, I don't want you to forget, dear brothers and sisters, about our ancestors in the wilderness long ago. All of them were guided by a cloud and moved ahead of them, and all of them walked through the sea on dry ground. In the cloud and the sea, all of them were baptized as followers of Moses. All of them ate the same spiritual food, and all of them drank the same spiritual water. For they drank from the spiritual rock that traveled with them, and that rock was Christ. See, Christ was the very rock that they were celebrating at the festival, and yet they didn't acknowledge him. They didn't even recognize him. They were too busy celebrating him to notice him. Listen, sometimes at church, we can get caught up in the music because we like the song and, and we like the time. And, and, and we're worshiping, but we're not connecting to him. We can come to Excel because we like each other and, and maybe we like someone in particular, you know, da da da, da. And, and, and you enjoy this, but you miss out on the very thing that we wanted you to connect with. The religion's fine, but it's not a thirst quencher. Think about it like this. A lot of us might in this room like, you know, sports drinks. Anybody like Gatorade, Gatorade fans in this house? Anybody got a favorite flavor? What's your favorite flavor? Right? I was going to say, if you tell me anything other than red, I don't believe you. Because in Chicago, we don't believe in, like, ruby, whatever, raspberry. It's like, no, it's red, it's blue, it's yellow. If, if you don't tell me a color, then I don't think you drink it. Now, listen, I love, I got certain Gatorades I love. Like, I like the light blue Gatorade. 
right? I like, I even like the old school Gatorade, the yellow Gatorade, because that's what I started drinking with. Red Gatorade is pretty nice. But listen, here's the thing. If you drink a lot of Gatorade, especially when you're thirsty, you, know, you start to notice something. It's really crisp and satisfying as you're drinking it. But when you're done drinking it, how does your mouth feel? You know what I'm talking about? Like your spit just accumulated times 50. You're walking around. <laughs> Why? Because your mouth and your body is still yearning for water. We believe that it's the power that rejuvenates the electrolytes that comes out of Gatorade. But we ignore, when we ignore the sugar and the chemicals and the dye, and we realize that the very thing that's actually trying to satisfy us, the main ingredient, is water. And too many people have walked away from God because they've drank religion. And they don't like the taste that it left in their mouth. And what I was saying, you shouldn't have been drinking religion. You should have been drinking water. There's a lot of people who've walked away from God because they were soured by religion. Religion is not perfect, right? I don't think Gatorade's bad. I like Gatorade. You know, I got to stick to Gatorade Zero nowadays, but I still like it. And it's, it's nice on occasion, but I can't live on Gatorade. Y'all know funny, I was thinking about this the other day. I remember one time I went to my rich white kid friend's house one time in high school, and he opened the fridge, and he had all these Gatorades, and I'm like, yo, that's the baller life. I ain't ever seen a fridge full of Gatorades. We weren't even allowed to, we had Kool-Aid, maybe. <laughs> like when I was older and I started getting some change, I would buy my own Kool-Aid packets. And I was envious because I thought, man, look at all this Gatorade. But you know what? You can't live on Gatorade. You can't drink Gatorade every day and think that's going to satisfy you. Eventually, you need water. And you can't live on religion. And I've seen a lot of students who, who, who spend five, six, seven years through this ministry. And, and they love it. But they fall apart the second they graduate out of here. Because the entirety of their time, they never realized that they needed water. They kept drinking Gatorade. And when, when, when there's no more spring breakaway and there's no more lock-ins and there's no more momentums and there's no more leaders holding your hands and, and there's no more of the extra additives to the water, you realize I never learned how to drink water. And it's no wonder I'm thirsty. And instead of going to the God of thirst, you blame the Gatorade that didn't satisfy you. doesn't matter. Catholic, Jewish, Muslim, Pentecostal, the only thing that truly satisfies your thirst is Jesus. Everything else is just a knockoff or additives. If you're taking notes, the second thing you're going to need to understand from this is not only does religion not quench your thirst, but relationships can't quench your thirst either. You can answer that later. It's probably your boo. <laughs> now this is an important one because y'all know Valentine's Day is coming up next week. Is it next week? Some of you are like, yes, sir, it's next week. Yes, yes, yes. But you're a little thirsties. Some of y'all are too smooth. Some of y'all, you already broke up with your significant other because you didn't want to have to buy them no Valentine's Day present. I see how you operate. I, I knew that trick. You broke up with them before, you hook up with them again afterward. I knew what you're trying to do. Some of you, you've you just been spending your half your life saving trying to impress this person. Uh, can I tell you my super sad Valentine's story? It was so mad. My wife's not here, so I'll tell it. But, yo, low key, I snapped one year on Valentine's, right? I had, to, I had this on lock. I had a gift for this girl at every classroom she went to. So in every classroom when she walked in, there was a present waiting for her, 
Right? And every one of them meant something. Like one of them was like a DVD of the first movie we saw. And, and one of them was like, you know, this, her favorite uh, snack. And like every, it was, a, it was a little things, but every class she'd walk in and, and the teachers were hooking her, hey, you got this for you. And hey, he left this for you. And it was super, dying ain't lie, that was dope. Y'all can steal it if you want. It didn't even cost that much if you do it right. And at the end of the school day, she ran up to me. She's like, look. And then she showed me this, this flower. She said, look what so-and-so got me. And I was like. And I, in my head, I was like, get that out of my face. <laughs> right? Why? Because I was hoping that I would find something in that relationship. And all I found was heartache. Relationships are important. God has built us for a relationship, but a relationship can't quench that thirst. It's interesting that uh, this instance wasn't the first time that Jesus tells people to come to him for living water. Three chapters earlier, he has this encounter with a woman at a well. Listen, John chapter 4, verse 13 through 18. Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give them will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water, then I'll never be thirsty again, and I won't have to come here to get water. Let me pause right there to give you a little bit of context. This conversation he's having with is this woman who the Bible tells us was at the well at around noon. Now listen, in these times, you did not draw water at noon, right? Because how many know noon is the hottest time of the day? It's when the sun is directly above you. And when you live in the Middle East, you're not necessarily wanting to get water at noon. When you were going to get water from the well was usually in the morning. Before the sun came up, first thing you would do is get your water for the day. The water that you would use to clean, the water that you would use to bathe, the water that you would use to cook. So all the women would gather together in the morning. The reason this woman was gathering there at noon was because no one else was there. In other words, this woman wasn't fitting into society. This woman didn't have relationships. She was pushed away in the point where she had to go on her own. And so when Jesus is saying, listen, I got water that will leave you never having a thirst. She goes, please, I don't want to have to keep being embarrassed and coming back here. It's like a person saying, listen, I've screwed up so much at school. Nobody wants to be my friend. Nobody wants to talk to me. Nobody wants to date me anymore. I would much rather transfer. I wish I didn't have to go here anymore. And Jesus offering her a way out. But listen, if you look at the next verse, verse 16, it says, Go get your husband, Jesus told her. Go get your husband, your relationship, the thing you've been relying on. And how does she reply? I don't have a husband, the woman replied. I, I, I would, I, I don't have a husband. Jesus goes, No, yeah, you're right about that. You don't have a husband. Actually, you've had five husbands, and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You're you telling the truth, lady. Listen, this sounds scandalous, but some of us have gone from relationship to relationship, and we think the problem's them. And I'm here to tell you the problem's not even you. The problem is you're going to the well when you need to be going to God. Listen, relationships are great. I love the relationship I have with my wife. I love the relationship I have with my daughter. I love the relationships I have here. I absolutely love these things. But these are extra. They're not the main thing that sustains me. 
and particularly in your age, one of the biggest heartaches and hurts that you encounter is your incessant need to go to relationships for satisfaction. And it's not just romantic, although many times it is. <laughs> but it's even your friendships. You, you, this, is, this is my best friend, and, and this, is, this is the one I trust with everything. And, and we talk about everything, and, and I just my best friend. Until your best friend drops the ball. Until your best friend's not there for you. Until your best friend hurts you. Until your best friend backstabs you. Until your best friend ends up going out with Enrique when you liked Enrique. And it's suddenly all, it's all crazy now. Now they're not your best friend. Right? Here's the problem. You can't put on the shoulders of your friendship or on the shoulders of your dating relationship what was meant to be on the shoulders of God. It's not fair. That person can't sustain you. So sometimes we're sitting here, well, nobody likes me. Nobody wants to talk to me. No, no, no. It's not that. We like you just enough, but I'll be honest with you. You're too much. You're you're a lot. (laughs) Because you're trying to put on me, you're trying to put on that person what you're only supposed to put on God. Listen, I don't want to hear about your 19th breakup this week. It's just, you ever had that friend that you've said it to them 17 times already? And they're like, I just don't know what to do. And you're like, yes, you do. Just do it. Why do you keep asking me? I don't even like you anymore. Stop it. You know what? And we won't always say that. Some of you are bogus. You'll say it. But it's frustrating, right? It's annoying. We all have that friend that we love them until they get into a relationship. Then they turn into that other person. Right? And you're like, oh, my God, okay. And you know, two weeks. She don't go more than two weeks. He don't, no. It's the last three days. They'll hit me up again. What do you think? Do you think this is the one? No, oh, man, I think it's been one. You need to move on, bro. <laughs> Listen, I love, again, I married my best friend. I, 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 I have, it's so hard for me to even leave the house now because I got the cutest little thing and my wife, and I just love being around them. But they don't satisfy me when it comes to my soul. Because if my soul wasn't satisfied, I would have put too much pressure on them. You have to understand that Jesus wasn't trying to embarrass her. He was pointing out that what she was, a rely, what she was relying on wasn't quenching her thirst. Your first husband didn't work. Your second husband, your fifth husband didn't work. The guy you're with now is not going to work. You can't keep going from relationship to relationship thinking this will be the answer. And young people, hear me when I tell you this. Don't put all that in one person. If you allow someone to create all your happiness, you give them full authority to destroy it. And that's just too much to give to a human being. And so I give it to the Lord. See, my wife doesn't have my heart. My God does. It's in his hands. He just lets Cease look at it every now and then and do nice things. She better give me something next week. <laughs> right? But, but my heart is in God's hands because he's the only one I can trust with my heart. Because I've, I've been where you've been and I've trusted other people with my heart. And I've seen them abuse it and hurt it. And I've seen them not care for it and not love it the way it's supposed to be loved. And, and for years I was mad at them until I began to understand it's not their fault. It's my fault. I gave them something they didn't understand the value of. And we exchanged things that neither of us understood how to care for. 
But when my wife and I gave our heart to the Lord and he brought us together, he can sustain the weight of all the things that go on in our relationship. And so my best friend and my girlfriend became my wife. And now it's all tied under my Lord. And it makes it so much easier. This woman has gone from one relationship to the other and isn't even satisfied with the one she's in. No matter how much she drinks, she still ends up thirsty. She reminds me of somebody who's addicted to pop. Pop is the absolute worst thing you can drink when you're thirsty. The sugar and the fructose actually cause you to be more thirsty. And the caffeine actually dehydrates you. It actually pulls more water away from you. But yo, tastes good. Man, nice cold pop with a slice of pizza. Ah, Get a little bit of Mama Luna's with an RC. Ah, that's some good stuff. It's crisp. It's nice. Again, I got to stick to zero now, but I can still drink it. I like the fuzzies. But, but if you rely on pop, guess what happens? You need more of it. Listen, when I was your age, y'all ever got the, the biggest gulp at 7-Eleven? You know what I'm talking about, like that big, big, big gulp? I get friends from Europe who will come over and they'll go to 7-Eleven and they'll be like, yo, no wonder y'all so fat. Look at that. And I'm like, shut up. But I do remember drinking those bad boys, right? I do remember, like, going to the movies and having the big pop, pretending like you're going to share with the other person. You get two straws. You end up just drinking out of two straws. See, pop is nice on occasion. But when that's what you use to satisfy you, you fall short. As a matter of fact, it ends up hurting you. You feel sluggish. You gain weight. You can even get gallstones. The very thing that you think satisfies you is the very thing that's hurting you. And that's what happens when we put our hope and trust in relationships and not in the Lord. When you rely on your friends or, or the people that you're dating to sustain you, you're going to one day wake up spiritually dehydrated wondering, how did I get to this? I remember one time I, 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 this back and forth relationship I had for four years, just one day I just sat down I'm like, Man, I'm wondering how much money I done spent on this girl. Literally, I think it was like four or five thousand. I was like, I was like nineteen or twenty. I was like, dang, I'm on the bus. I could have had a car. <laughs> what happens though? It's just these little things, one after another, that you use to try to satisfy a thirst that is bottomless because it was never meant to be satisfied with her or him, but the Lord. And number three, if you're picking up on this theme. Right? This world will never satisfy you. These relationships will never satisfy you. Only Jesus can quench your thirst. This is what he was trying to tell everyone. Jesus publicly stood before the crowd during the feast and declared himself to be the source of living water. <clears throat> I believe he was compelled to because they didn't understand who he was. It wasn't a coincidence that God instructed Moses to strike the rock with his staff. Listen, Exodus 17, 6 says, strike the rock and the water will come gushing out. God was once again illustrating how we are going to receive salvation. How it was that we were able to get this water that Jesus is offering us. The striking of the rock in Exodus was symbolic of the day that Jesus would one day be struck on the cross. 
And when he struck on the cross and his blood flowed and his life was given over, it was in that moment as he willingly gave up his life that he was offering you a cup of living water. That he was saying, this is what it's going to take to get you your water. Listen, water, it's not free. We treat it like it's free, right? Because we go to a fountain and we, and we go to a restaurant and we even start, hey, can I get a cup of water? And they give it to you and you don't end up paying for it. But listen, it, it, it costs to get that water to you, to get that water filtered, to get that water processed, to get that water packaged, to get that water into your hands, to, to pay the employee who handed it to you. Like every aspect of how water gets to you, there was a whole process that it endured. It didn't, right? It's not like you just stand there and suddenly Lake Michigan shows up. It's like, here you go, sir. There is a whole process to get the water into your hands. And there was a process to get salvation to you. The rock had to get struck and his blood had to flow in order to satisfy the desire of sin. The Bible tells us that we've all sinned and we all fall short of the glory of God and that the penalty for sin is death. Jesus paid the penalty. He quenched the thirst of death with his own life. And John chapter 7, verse 38 through 39, tells us that anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scriptures declare rivers of living water will flow from his heart. When he said living water, he was speaking of the spirit who would be given to everyone believing in him. But the spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet entered into his glory. Worship team, if you can help me out. Now, at that time, he had not yet entered into his glory. But the Bible tells us that eventually he was captured, he was crucified, he was struck on the cross, and then he came back to life three days later in order to count those receipts and hand out his water. And I love what it says. It says anyone who believes can have a cup of that water. And that's important to understand because I think a lot of times when we're offered something for free, we wonder, well, what's the catch? Right? If somebody comes up to you and says, hey, do you, do you want this for free? And especially if you're from Chicago, you're like, yo, what do you mean free? What, what do I have to do? And a lot of times because of our understanding of religion and because of our understanding and maybe of abuse in relationships, we think God's the same way. And so we think when God is offering salvation that, that suddenly I, I got to be different, right? Like I got to start wearing suits and, and, and come into a building every Sunday and, and I got to start paying some fat dude money and, and I got I to start lining up, right? And, I, and, I, and I, gotta, I can't do this anymore and I can't do that anymore. There, there's obviously a price to this free water. But no, here's the requirements. Believe. Well, believe what? The Bible tells us to believe that Jesus Christ is who he says he is. That he died on the cross for your sins and for mine and that he rose from the grave three days later to say, screw you to death and offer you life in that living water. All you have to do is believe that. The Bible says that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Christ is Lord, then you're saved. Well, what about all the other stuff? The other stuff isn't requirements, it's a byproduct. Right? In the beginning of January, I, I kind of made a commitment to just drink water. I didn't drink pop, I didn't drink coffee, I didn't drink anything but water 
for the first 21 days of January. You know, you know you're doing good, and I'm not trying to be too graphic, but you know you're doing good when you go to the bathroom and the color's right. You know what I'm talking about? There are days when you're like, mm, that's too yellow. I need to drink water. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? That's just not right. If you can smell it, you need water, right? Man, I was clear. I was good. I was healthy. I was losing weight. Listen, water has a way of doing things to you. Because it's what you need. It's what the, the body calls for. And so when you drink of the spirit, there are byproducts. There are things that, that you want to do and things you don't want to do anymore. And it's not because anybody made you. It's not because religion forced you. It's not because the relationships in here put a gun to your head. It's because the water began to transform who you are. And it's a beautiful thing to do. But here's what I need you to understand. Is that thirst is natural, but drinking takes effort. Anybody here thirsty already? You're like, ah, I'm getting kind of thirsty. Okay. You thirsty, Lana? Here you go. You feel better now? You're not thirsty no more? Are you thirsty anymore? Your thirst is gone, right? Yeah? Are you lying or are you just telling me what I want to know? Are you still thirsty right now? Right now. You didn't even drink it. I like how confused she is. Yes, no, yes. No, you're thirsty. Well, what do you got to do to fix that? Go ahead. No, it's, I didn't spit in it or nothing. Here's what I need you to understand. Just because I gave her the water doesn't mean the thirst was quenched. She had to take the initiative to open that and drink. And here's all I'm saying. I'm offering you water today. I'm offering you this living water so that you will never have to thirst again. So that you will never have to feel like you need a relationship to be complete. So that you'll never have to feel like you need religion to make you a better person. I'm offering living water that will satisfy the innermost part of your being. But all I can do is offer. Right? Because if I shove the water down your face, now I'm waterboarding you. That's torture. <laughs> I'm just offering you water. But you have to take it. And you have to be willing to drink. You, by your own fruition, have to say, yes, I want that water. And I love what Jesus says. He says, taste and see that I'm good. It's just, she didn't finish the whole water. She, she took a taste. And that was enough to start it. And slowly, suddenly, she'll sip it. She'll drink it. And she'll go through it. And so you might be here for the first time. You might have never made this decision, and, and this whole thing is kind of scary to you. But I love what Jesus says. He's saying, listen, here, I'm not pressuring you to be a completely different person in this very second. I'm saying if you acknowledge that you're thirsty in your soul, if you understand that there's something that's missing, something that's always been missing, are you willing to believe that what I'm telling you can satisfy you is true? And are you willing to believe it enough to have a taste? Psalm 42, verse 1 through 2 says, As the deer longs for streams of water, so I long for you, O God. I thirst for God, the living God. Where can I go and stand before him? I'm going to ask you to stand tonight as we get ready to close. And I'm not going to embarrass you. I don't want to call you out and... and single you out. I'm just going to ask you 
right where you're standing. Would you just bow your head for a moment, close your eyes, just as a moment of privacy. I want to talk to you specifically, young lady, young man. I don't know why specifically you came here tonight. You might be here because you're trying to score points for Valentine's next week. <laughs> you might be here because your friend has begged you to come and you finally were willing to say yes. You might be here because mom and dad made you come. I, I don't know. But here's what I know. I know that every single human being is born with a thirst in their soul. And I know that we live our lives trying to quench that thirst. And all I'm saying is tonight I'm willing to offer you the thing that will really quench it. And it's not religion. And it's not relationships with human beings. It's a relationship with the living God. And you don't have to go through classes and you don't have to jump through hoops and you don't have to become perfect right now. The Bible says that you have to believe and you have to be willing to taste. So with every head bowed, no one's looking around. This is between you and God. If you're in this place and you're willing to acknowledge, yeah, Pastor, I, I, I know, I've, I've, I've been knowing that there's something missing in my heart. That there's a thirst that I've never really been able to satisfy. And I want to believe that what you're saying is true. And I want to taste this God that you're talking about. And I want to know for myself. If what I said really connects with you, would you just signal me by lifting up your hand so I can include you in this prayer? Just really quick, if there's anyone here who says, Pastor, that's me. Just lift up your hand and I want to pray for you. Thank you, sweetie. Anyone else? Thank you, sir. Anyone else says, Pastor, that's me. Thank you, bro. I want to taste that water. Give you a couple more moments. Thank you, sweetie. Anyone else who says, that's me. Awesome. Here's what I'm going to ask. Church family, I know the majority of you in this room have already said this prayer. So would you just join me? The Bible says that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Christ is Lord. Now, there's no magic in this word. The power comes on whether or not you believe what we're saying. And so, church family, would you just join me in saying this? Just repeat after me. Say, Jesus, I know that I'm thirsty. And I know that I've tried with a number of different things. To quench that thirst. But God, I'm willing to believe that what this man is offering is real. I'm willing to believe that you are who you say you are. And that you're willing to forgive me of all my sins. So I invite you into my life to quench my thirst and be my God. Help me, Lord, to be satisfied in you and nothing else. I pray this all in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Come on, would you give God a hand clap of praise right where you're at? Now, listen to me but before we go. There's some of you in this room, you weren't ready to make that kind of commitment, and I appreciate that. And I respect you, and I want you to be genuine and honest. And what I would ask is, if it began to start something, why don't you just keep coming by? There's no pressure. We're not, you know, not going to check at the door if, if you've been drinking from the well or not. Or just, 
I want to build a relationship with you because sometimes you might need a time or two to make a decision like that. But for those of you who said yes and those of you who made that, I say this often, but I want you to understand, uh, there might be a really cool feeling right now. There, there might be a moment for you right now, and that's awesome. But that might feeling, that might fade away. And I want you to understand, now is the beginning, not the end. This is the beginning of learning to build on that relationship, right? This is the beginning of growing in that relationship with God. And, and in the same way, when I said yes to my wife, I began to grow in that relationship. And even now with, with my daughter, I'm learning how to be her dad. And she's, she's just learning how to eat right now. But, like, we're learning each other. And so I want to encourage you to stay committed, stay connected. Let us help you in this process. And I want to invite all of you, come back tomorrow. We're going to build some great relationships. We're going to have a lot of fun. But I want to make sure that you're available to be here. Amen. God bless you. We love you. We'll see you tomorrow. Small group kickoff.